0: Okay, I think we are ready to get started. Late service people, please forgive me. Um, I was the only pastor on duty this morning, so communion took a little longer. Um, Our retired guys have been traveling, and I didn't want to spring that on them last minute. Pastor Grady is at the LCMS convention in Tampa, Florida. Um, Again, for the LCMS convention, if you want to know what's going on, the best thing to do is read what's known as Today's Business. So if you go to lcms.org, there's a convention link on the website, and you can look at Today's Business each day. It's kind of like a little bulletin. um, We'll give you a summary of what they did the day before. Uh, So instead of having to wade through page after page after page of minutes, it's just a snapshot of what happened. And that's probably the best way for um, Missouri Senate people to stay on top of what's going on at the convention. Okay, um, Nothing really earth-shattering at the convention. Um, so if you have any questions on anything, come talk to me. I may or may not know anything about it. So uh, let's see, what else? Um, had a couple questions this last week that popped up about um, uh, live-streaming. Um, and so just want to take a moment to address kind of what, what's going on behind the scenes. We had some money that was donated for um, cameras, and the purpose of the cameras, as uh, I would see it, and the elders, and Pastor Grady, we would like to be able to record our Bible classes, if we bring in professors or any other teachers, be able to record uh, those events, Um, And that may or may not, uh, you know, be up on the website. That would depend on some copyright issues, but to make some of that available. We also, and this probably most especially, in our library, we would like to record all of our uh, catechesis, all of our catechism sessions. Wow, did I do something? Okay. Um, And that way, if we have, uh, say you've got an adult catechumen um, who missed a class, say they missed, you know class number five, where we covered the third article, the Apostles' Creed, they could pull it up online and actually watch it. And that would just be us as pastors or other teachers doing that. Same thing for our seventh and eighth graders. We found our seventh and eighth graders have really crazy schedules. And so if they end up having to miss a class because of a school event uh, or they're sick, uh, they can go online and make it up. Um, And so uh, now technology has really come along uh, that we can do a lot of that. Um, the other thing that we've talked about doing is uh, recording in the sanctuary um, with weddings and sometimes even with funerals. We have people that are unable to attend uh, that would like to watch, on um, that sort of thing. I'm not sure yet what we're going to do with recording the divine service. There's a lot of copyright laws that are involved in that, and I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, it's one thing for the liturgy. We have a license for the liturgy, and we do have a license for about... Uh, two-thirds of the hymns that are in the hymnal. But if you go through in the hymnal and you look at the copyright information, anything that's not CPH has to be secured by an individual copyright license. There is no one license that covers all of them. And not only that, any time you have choir uh, or special music, anytime time that is uh, recorded and then broadcast, you have to have permission to do that. So that's why you don't see a whole lot of churches that will broadcast or live stream their services in their totality, um, you know. But certainly like for the sermons, we can put a video up of the sermon with the audio instead of just the audio. So we're kind of working through all that, and all I would say at this point is no final decisions have been made, um, but we're going we're to work through some of those issues and we'll keep you informed. The other thing that'll be kind of cool is here, do you like having the use of a projector for scripture and Bible class in terms of a lecture format like this? It's, it's helpful, isn't it? And obviously, with this being a multi-purpose room for the school uh, and that sort of thing, so one of the things that we would also include in what we're looking at is, is mounting... Sorry, let me my a raisin cookie real quick. We've, we've had a couple of bids and we've kind of talked about it, but one option has been above the two windows to build a header that's the same color as this trim that goes straight across. And there's a screen up there that's motorized. And the screen would come, the screen would come down in front of the window and then there'd be a short throw projector that would be mounted just above it. Um, it really won't look, you know, you got white speakers up here already, so it'd be a projector that would kind of be above the windows. And then when we wanted to use the screens, push a button, the screens come down, one on each side. Um, and so we've looked at some other options, but we didn't want to take away from the architecture in this room. And so trying to figure out a way that we could use this as multi-use space, okay? so. None of that is, 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 uh, is done yet. Um, we've, we've had some donations to that. Uh, matter of fact, the uh, Kramer family, um, all their memorials are going to that. Thank you, Barb. I don't know. Yep, there you are. Thank you for that. And uh, we've had a few other uh, uh, donations that have come in to help with that. Okay? Any quick questions on that? This isn't like a voters meeting, but people, uh, when people start calling me or emailing me, then I know, hey, maybe we need to talk about that <laughs> at Bible class. Good, good? Okay. Whew! Let's begin. The Lord be with you. you. O God, you have prepared for those who love you good things that surpass all understanding. Pour into our hearts such love toward you that we, loving you above all things, may obtain your promises, which exceed all that we can desire. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Okay, we are on page 66 of the book, The Saving Truth, Doctrine for Lay People, by uh, now sainted Kurt Marquardt. Uh, So we've kind of been taking our time, I'm not going to apologize for that, there's lots of good stuff here that we've been working through. Uh, We finished up uh, last week uh, with uh, just a couple of stanzas from an older uh, TLH hymn, Uh, so now we begin at the first full paragraph. It is plain that there can be no such thing as perfect or entire sanctification during this earthly life. Even the most mature Christians must still carry the corrupt flesh with them to the grave. This is why even the best of good works are tainted with sin. So just a little bit of a review. We've been talking about sanctification. Uh, We also have forayed into the concept of the old Adam and the new Adam, okay? Uh, The old Adam, which is completely bound uh, in sin, Right? Uh, so when we were this last week down visiting the Ark Encounter and the Creation Museum, uh, we saw a whole bunch of buses in the parking lot, you know. Mountain home, free will, Baptist Church. And every time I walked by something that said free will, what did I do? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got a little upset because there is no such thing as free will. Our wills are bound in sin. Okay. And if you're struggling with that concept, uh, Martin Luther, many, many, many years ago, wrote a short little treatise called Bondage of the Will, okay? Uh, and it's a really good uh, treatment, and he wrote it in response uh, to a philosopher and fellow academic by the name of Erasmus, who wrote a paper entitled, can you guess? Freedom of the Will, Right? So you have this kind of back and forth going on between Luther and Erasmus, and and theologically, we are spiritually dead, right? Uh, Nothing in my hand I bring, um, you know, and now the Holy Spirit comes, and this is now sanctification. Now by the power of the Holy Spirit, simply to thy cross I cling, right? So only by the Holy Spirit can one say Jesus now is Lord, right? Which, which really invites some interesting discussions with your Reformed friends. Um, and the Reformed are a little bit all over the place on a little bit of the free will issue, just so you know. Not all of them are like free will Baptists. Okay? There, are, there are some differences there. Um, so, so make sure you kind of uh, uh, you know, have, do a little bit of that study. Um, but long story short, Scripture is very clear. Our wills are bound in sin. And we cannot, you know, uh, by any reason or strength within us, Uh, Come to Jesus Christ, our Lord, um, but the Holy Spirit calls me by the gospel, enlightens me with his gifts, sanctifies and keeps me in the one true faith, right? Okay. A good cookie, whoever brought those. All right. So that's why even the best of good works are tainted with sin. Because even the good works that you do in the body, even though you have a new Adam, what's still attached to them? It is still your old Adam. Okay, and look at where Marquardt goes with this. The flesh always contributes corrupt and self-serving motivations, so that no matter how pure and holy the intention of the new nature in us, the output of actual concrete behavior is always a mixture of good and evil. Right? So you see somebody that needs help, and part of you is like, "Oh, I really wanna, I really wanna help them," and another the part of you is like, "Oh, I've got a two o'clock tea time, man," or I mean, just fill in the blank. Or I was—I had this time carved out for myself. I was going to do this crossword puzzle, or quilting, or read a book. I mean, whatever it is, right? So the new Adam in you wants to always do good works. The new Adam in you never thinks about himself or herself. The new Adam is always focused on others, right? Um, God and neighbor. Okay. The old Adam has a totally different story. Your old Adam is a navel gazer, meaning you are just focused on yourself. Eyes down, not looking outward, uh, you're only focused on yourself. Okay. So even good works, therefore, need to be offered to God in deep humility and with a plea for forgiveness. They are pleasing to him on account of his fatherly love and mercy towards us and his Son. Questions or comments on that paragraph? Pretty self-explanatory, I think. Here we go with the next one. Even if St. Paul had to confess to his intense struggle against his sinful flesh, how can any of us lesser Christians imagine ourselves to have surpassed the great apostle in holiness? And let's go to Romans chapter 7. We have, we just, we'll make time. Just go to Romans 7, would you please, son? And let's look a little bit on this. Uh, some of you will recognize this section of Romans 7, um, uh, where Paul talks about his struggle against his sinful nature. Uh, going on down just a little bit. and I died. The very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me. Early service people, um, some of you might be resting a little bit with my comment, which actually was uh, brought about by some research into Martin Chemnitz on Simon Peter's uh, statement to Jesus, depart from me. And a lot of contemporary scholars will just say that Simon Peter was just, he was really humbling himself. He was being a very good pious man. And Martin Chemnitz interprets that completely different exegetically and con- contextually, which would go to Romans 7, right? Uh, Proved to be death to me. Sin seizes an opportunity, deceives me, and through it killed me. So the law is holy, the commandment is holy, and righteous is good. Now go on down and see how Paul deals with this. Did that which is good thing bring death to me? By no means it was what? Sin, and this is why you're, you don't have free will, your will is bound Sin, producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. For we know that the law is spiritual, and we'll get into this in the next chapter. So hang on to that. We're going to talk about law and gospel, and Monty Weimer, hang on, because I'm going to call on you. Uh, we've had some good discussions about third use of the law, and we are not antinomians, so we'll, we'll talk about that, we'll flush it out. Um, and did you know that actually... There have been a lot of scholars who have said there are four uses of the law instead of just three. Did you know that? Okay, I'm just trying to get you to come back next week or the week after, okay? So hang on to that. Well, we'll I'm just baiting you, okay? Uh, for I understand my own actions, and, and this is where we, you know this passage well, right? So let's read from 15. For I do not understand my own actions. Is that fair? Do you always understand your actions? No. Okay, and, and sometimes and I think as you get older, you become more aware of this, but you don't always understand why you feel or why you act a certain way, you know. I'm becoming more cognizant in marriage. Why did I say it that way? Or why did I give that nonverbal signal? That's really not what I intended, right? And then I feel guilty, and then you're trying to figure out a way to, to you know, get back to that wonderful feeling where you're always hugging and kissing each other and holding hands instead of, you know... Oh, she's here, you know. (laughs) But that never happens to any of you other married people. You're all perfect. Okay. Um, So now if I, let's keep going. 16. Now if I do, read with me, what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me, right? So then he goes on, scroll down to the bottom a little bit, okay? um so i'll go back up just a little bit so 19 here we go before i do not do the good i want but the evil i do not want is what i keep on doing right i mean that that's the that this is the simul the simul eustace et picotter okay which reformed and catholics throw out like a baby with the bathwater. okay you're simultaneously a saint and a sinner at the same time and it's a struggle that you will carry with you to the grave Okay, and once you start to realize that, now using God's word, you can combat that because God provides the proper medicine to be applied to this malady that exists within us. And that's where word and sacraments come in. Okay, uh, Which is what you know, Ken Ham, who's so good on creation evolution, uh, mentions nothing about baptism, nothing about absolution, either with a big gigantic ark. How do you not talk about baptism when you build a big freaking ark? I don't get it. Um, yeah, and I mean, and, this, and the Creation Museum. Everything else is dynamite. I mean, everything else is just solid gold. Okay, so if you go down there, you know, you know, just ask yourself what's missing. Okay, and when you get to the end where they always have the whole decision, I've got to accept Jesus. That's that can be very confusing for Lutherans. You need to come back to what God has said and where that you are saved through Christ Jesus and what He has done for you. Because otherwise, it puts everything on your shoulders. Have I really accepted Him? Right? You're going to get tired of me saying this, you know. Uh, It's the Saving Private Ryan moment. Have I really done enough? Did I really give my heart to Jesus? Did I really invite Him in? Maybe I just cracked the door a little bit. And so I need to open the door further. So I'm going to go to another altar call, or I'm going to... I mean, whatever, you know. And so, you know... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm not going to talk about my older son. We had a great conversation about it. You know, what about that moment for an adult when you finally do realize and hear or see that? Well, sure. But all that's brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Also think and understand a little bit of what we're doing when we publicly profess our faith. Profess and confess, they're a little different, but, but they're both to be done orally. Okay. Um, think as well about how We have tried to use confirmation in the church uh, in terms of that, not only that transition to adulthood, but the public kind of profession, okay? For better or for worse, because that's a mixed bag. We'll have to save the whole, uh, you know, confirmation thing, you know, for another day, right? Because the most important thing at confirmation is not the commitment of the youth to die for Jesus, because how many 13-year-olds are really able to make a promise that they're ready to die for Jesus? I mean, think about that, because that's the biggest question that's in there. Will you stay a Lutheran the rest of your life? Well, I'm only 13, man. I got hair grown in places I've never had before, and you want me to decide what I'm going to do for the rest of my life and what I'm going to believe? But that's what we ask them, okay? And And I think it's a little unfair, but we'll save that for another time. I mean, the most important thing, actually, is receiving forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation, which comes through faith, the ability to examine oneself, and the best way to do that is at the altar of the Lord's body and blood. Okay? Hang on to that. We'll talk about all that stuff later. Okay? So, now, if I do what I do not want, it's no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. Okay? So he goes on. We're not going to read through the rest of that. You can kind of look on that chapter a little bit. But see where the Holy Spirit now through Paul identifies the problem with your will. Okay? Um, In spiritual matters, you have no free will. God, by his grace and mercy, does give you free will in physical earthly matters. You decide what you're going to wear this morning, what you're going to eat. I mean, you have all these other things. I mean, God is such a gracious and merciful God. Okay, but we're born in sin, we're bound in sin, and it's only by his grace and mercy now that we're rescued. Okay? Comments, questions? Yes, ma'am. Oh boy! Yeah. Uh, is that get up and out of? <laughs> Can I have you hang on to that question because he's going to talk a little bit more about that? Okay. Don't don't leave it alone. If I don't if I don't cover it, then as she her question was, uh, what about some other denominations that talk about positional sanctification or progressive sanctification? Um, this would be the concept of, of just just being getting better as a Christian. And how do you gauge yourself? You know, how are you doing at climbing Jacob's ladder? Okay? Which really Jacob's ladder has nothing to do with you, because Jacob's ladder is for the angels who were coming down from heaven to poor sinful Jacob who had stolen all the stuff from his brother. Okay? So understand Jacob's ladder first. Uh, and then secondly, realize that you, know, you remain a sinner. And I'm going to let Mark Quart answer this question a little bit because he, he gets into this. So let's get back to the text. Okay. Okay. So. Clearing the surface of a few outward vices is one thing. Getting rid of their poisoned root and source is quite another. The inspired apostolic words therefore apply without exception to all Christians. And let's read 1 John 1, 1.8 together. We know it well. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So what is always with you or within you? Sin. Always. You're never at a point in this life where you do not have sin. Okay? Just hang on to that. Okay? Indeed, those who in the judgment of their fellow Christians have reached the highest levels, and here we go with a little bit of the progressive uh, highest levels of sanctification have invariably had the deepest awareness of their sinfulness and helplessness before God. The closer they seemed to God, the farther they they knew themselves to be, and the more fervently they grasped the lifeline of his absolution. So what's interesting is when we understand what scripture is talking about in terms of living by faith, and it is true that we grow from Uh, infancy to adulthood Paul talks about maturity as a Christian right Um, so he talks about growing up um, and uh, you know eating solid food right Um, which is a good uh, balanced diet Um, Lord if I said something wrong so you know so we, we just have to keep those in check and, and, and in balance and certainly as a Christian with God's help you know you can overcome some of that uh, some of that you will grow out of hopefully uh, which which is a natural progression but with with God's word you know it, it's a training and it's a discipline and that's why scripture talks about athletes and that sort of thing right uh, so as we were making some college visits and Uh, and and my sons were talking to basketball coaches you know one of the things we heard over and over again was you know most high school kids they they get up to their first year of college and oh I've got these skills I'm ready to ball you know and they're playing with 22 year old grown men big difference you know three to four years of experience of development I mean, it's a different deal. It's kind of like the time I let you play on my three-on-three team a few years ago. You remember that? Yeah, you got like smushed, didn't you? <laughs> so, um, yeah, anyway. So, so yeah, you're, you're going you're gonna to develop as a Christian. So, there, there is a progress scene, if you will, but when God looks at you, does he see us all at these different levels? He sees this covered as Christ, right? So one Lord, one faith, one baptism, right? Um, so we have, we have to kind of keep some of that in check. Okay, any other questions before I get back to Marquard here? I think you're kind of waiting for him to drop that a little bit, okay? Uh, so thus he talks about uh, St. Augustine died with a penitential psalm on his lips, uh, which is, we don't really, we, we've got a lot of information about Augustine, I, I would, if Mark Quart was here, I, I would uh, pick his brain a little bit on this. Augustine, when he was dying, he loved the penitential psalms. So think of like Psalm fifty-one, right? Uh, so, so, so King David's, you know, is is confessing his sin. I mean, he committed adultery. He murdered Uriah. Uh, you know, and his 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 pastor confronted him with that. Um, and uh, so David, you know, in the psalms is. You know, uh, confessing his sins and acknowledging God's mercy and forgiveness. So Augustine had these penitential psalms written on pieces of paper, and the pieces of paper were tacked up on the wall in his room where he died. And so then he would read through and pray these penitential psalms. okay? And so what was on his lips at the end of his life of this great man of faith, um, his own sinfulness or unworthiness? But I would counter at the same time, his faith and trust in God's mercy, right? So as you truly grow in sanctification, uh, what you would should see is, is really more humility. It should be easier as you get older and grow in faith to say, I'm sorry. I would submit to you that one of the hardest things that, that we have found as a parent, and since you're here today, you can correct me on this, the hardest thing has been uh, teaching our kids to say "I'm sorry" because it doesn't come naturally. It certainly doesn't come naturally to the sinner, but even as they grow in their faith and their understanding, that takes time. Okay, to be able to say "I screwed up," you know. And so does the parent. You better say you're sorry, right? So we lay down the law and we make them apologize, and then we, you know, we go back to the bedroom, and mom and dad are like. They're not sorry. <laughs> you know, so though, you grow into that. But I think one of the ways to kind of look at how you're... If you want to talk about growing as a Christian, uh, because that's so much of the talk that's out there, is uh, how willing and able am I to recognize when I screw up? Okay? And, and, throw, and open myself up for whatever's going to come. From my boss, from my husband or my wife from my kids. So that's a little bit of how I think I would answer that along with Marquardt. Um, so, uh, and then obviously Luther um, on a piece of paper and you, I know you guys studied as we did as well, uh, a lot of the 500 year Re- reformation. Um, we are beggars. That is true. Um, one of the best presentations I actually heard about Luther's death was at the um, LCA Lutheran Concerns Association conference. Uh, a couple of years ago. It was actually uh, President uh, Pastor Matt Harrison um, who simply uh, took a couple of Luther's works and some other sources and walked us through Luther's death. And historically, it was just, it was amazing. Just all the comings and goings, people in and out of his room, you know, everything that was recorded that Luther said when he died, and, you know, I I doubt any of us will be recording all of that when we die, right? Um, Although... If you've had a loved one that have died, I'm sure you remember the last few days or week, you know, or month. I've been at a lot of deathbeds. Uh so there's a lot of things families will, you know, take with them. Uh, things that were said, last words that are spoken. Okay, before we see them again in heaven to come, okay? So Luther's last words were we are beggars, that is true. Meaning what? What did the Holy Spirit enable Luther sanctified Luther to say and to believe. A beggar is what? A beggar doesn't earn anything for themselves. They completely depend on someone else, in this case, God, okay, Christ, to give them what they need, okay? So very interesting. Any comments on that before we move on? Oh, my goodness. Not only did I preach long, but... Okay, in other words, we never outgrow in this life the need for justification. And I think if you, if you want to take something with you for today's study, take that with you. We, we, we never outgrow in this life the need for justification. And, and, and forgiveness is not an early, immature stage of spiritual life from which we later graduate into pure sanctification. No, Marquardt says. And, and this is why one of the things that I struggled with so much, I'm in the middle of writing a paper, On mission planners institute which really doesn't exist anymore but it's something i went through about 15 years ago Um, and so this upcoming aclc conference uh, i was asked to to write a just kind of an op-ed type of paper on my experience with that one of the things i noticed on so many mission starts in the missouri synod and this really had to do more with practice which which really really uh, totally interchange with doctrine but, but of course most mission people don't get that uh, that doctrine and practice are linked. So, in terms of practice, you know, what are the first things that are taken out of out of mission churches services? Absolution. Because how foreign is that for somebody to hear? I forgive you all your sins. Who is he? Right. Or the problem with all the reformed that we won't say that we're trying to proselytize. Of course, <laughs> we won't say it but we'd love to to convert, you know, all these, you know, other Christians to Lutherans, wouldn't we? I mean, you you're not going to you 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 want to nod your head but you don't. So, you know, I mean you want them to know the truth and you want them to grasp that and do that and you've all got family members like I do that are different flavors of Christian and you'd love for them to be Lutheran and you'd love to be at the communion rail with all of them, correct? So that, let's just call it for what it is. You're you're proselytizing, okay? I mean that's what it is. So you you're going to convert them. So just just admit to it. Um, but you know, at at the heart of it now is this concept of what God in Christ is doing and how important that is. So now in an effort to be more mission-minded, what are the things that get ripped out of these mission starts churches and their services? The most important things, the absolution. So as you visit other churches, and I know you do when you travel, we do as well when we get a chance, pay attention. Does the pastor stand up there in the stead of Christ and say, I forgive you? Or is it just a general absolution? Y'all are forgiven now. Right? Jesus loves you. Jesus loves little children. All the children of the world. Hey, yep, he forgives you. You're good. All right, let's get on with the service. Or does he do what Jesus now commands to be done? The disciples, this is mandate talk. Jesus says, go and forgive sins. Forgiving sins is not talking about forgiveness. Those of you that are parents, you know how this works with your kids. There's a difference between I forgive you and uh-huh, <laughs> right? I mean, I'm sorry, I forgive you, that's important speech. So words mean things, okay? Uh, so that gets rebuked. Think as well when we talk about justification and absolution, you know, Lord's Supper. We can't have Lord's Supper because we've got lots of non-Lutherans here. We don't want to deal with closed communion. We don't want to offend anybody. I've got them in my family now, too. There's some hard conversations, Now everybody kind of knows where we're at. (laughs) So, you know, they they don't come up to the rail, um, you know. uh, But those are hard conversations to have. Have those conversations. You're going to go to church with them or them with you. It's okay. You can still love each other, but recognize what your confession of faith is and the things that are important, okay? Oh, man, we're out of time. This is just getting good. Justification remains the life-giving sunshine, the bright sky of God's mercy and grace, beneath which alone our whole existence can and must be lived out. It is only in the sunshine that the blessed fruit of divine love can take shape and grow in us. And let's read 1 John 4:19. We love because he first loved us. Of course we are to be grateful, but love is something still more basic. Gratitude is a conscious indebtedness, but without love indebtedness can easily turn into resentment and worse. Unlike gratitude, love does not arise from any sort of calculation. Children do not learn to love their mothers by counting the number of meals prepared, clothes, mended, and the like, and then measuring out their affection accordingly. Moms, nod your heads if what he's saying is correct. I think that's pretty close, isn't it? They love without any conscious reason, simply because they were loved long before they could know it. Just so the Heavenly Father in our new birth or conversion embraces us in His love, from which He kindles now... Our little responding loves with natural, uh, supernatural naturalness and spontaneity. Okay? All right, we'll stop there for today. <sighs> Closing comments or questions? Okay, kind of good timing on some of this because this, if you're following through the historic lectionary that we're using now, um, there, there's a lot of the sanctification and good works and, and, and a lot of that in our scripture. Yes, ma'am? Okay, let me see if I can restate that for those listening online. Does Mark Wart? That's all I got. <laughs> Sorry. So God is all powerful and all good. The question is usually why can't he sort of is is there this force that's more powerful than God or separate than God and the accessibility? So we're talking about the power of the omnipotent God. His ability to make sure that we don't do anything bad. Yes. Yes. Yep. Um, Next chapter, which hopefully we'll get into next week after we finish the last two paragraphs, he gets into law and gospel. And that's where we're going to talk about uh, the use of the law for the sake of the sinful man, okay, which is really kind of curb and mirror, okay, Um, and guide but yet the new man also needs guidance not to be shown his sin but to be taught right and so just because you're baptized the holy spirit comes to you doesn't mean all of a sudden now that you understand scripture okay Uh, those of you when you were first married would you say you completely understood what it meant to be a husband and a wife right after you were married You know, the pastor stands up there, I pronounce you husband and wife, you're like, whoa. (laughs) I get what my mom and dad were talking. No, you you had to not only make some mistakes and sin, but God's word was there to guide you and show you as well. And so I'm not sure, I don't know if he uses the talk in terms of an omnipotent God that is all powerful. He will talk about the omnipotence God in terms of the Logos or the power of the word at work through the law. very good so hang on for it if you have some more questions once we get into that make sure you bring them up okay anything else okay let's stand and close with the lord's prayer good to see you today lord remember us in your kingdom and teach us again to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Peace be with you. Go, J.B. Holmes. Sorry, that was a golf reference.